Our speaker today is, um, is another Australian. That's two weeks in a row. Um, if you thought you'd come to Hillsong, uh, it's, pre- it's pretty close. Um, two Australians in a row. Um, our speaker this morning uh, is a wonderful uh, friend of mine. Uh, he's an incredible creative and strategic thinker. He's also married to our uh, young life pastor, Rachel. Uh, so let's give it up for Sean. I feel like because it's two Australians in a row, we should pray. Heavenly Father, would you, uh, would you bless Sean as he uh, brings us your word this morning. Uh, be with him and help us to listen and to hear and to put into practice the things that you are saying. Amen. Thanks for the introduction, Phil. I actually went home pretty recently and everyone was teasing me back home because they're like, you're not Australian anymore, your accent is so English. And then when I come over here, they're like, well, you don't really sound that Australian, but you don't sound English either, so I don't really know what you... So I've basically just given up on trying to be Australian now. I just think, I don't know, I'm a bit of a blend. Um, But yes, thanks for the introduction. I am married to the lovely Rachel, and I've been coming to SBS for a little while now. And um, I'm getting to know lots of you, most of you. Um, So I'm really excited about this morning. Um, So yeah, I just think what I'll do is I'll just quickly open uh, with a word of prayer. Father God, thank you that you are here this morning, that we've been able to worship you in song. And I just pray right now that your presence is in this place, that you will speak through the words that I say, Father God, that it'll be your words, not mine. And Father, that you will challenge us this morning, that you will speak to us this morning. And most of all, God, we will go away knowing that you love us so much. So God, we just lift you up in this place right now. Amen. It was Saturday, 7th of February, 2009. It was the day that I learned about endurance. Now, some of you may see that um, I'm definitely not the the long-distance running type, and I'm not really talking about that kind of endurance. I was a sprinter once upon a time, but uh, my days in England has changed that completely. But no, this, this day I learned about endurance, a different type of an endurance. It was a really hot week. I'm from Victoria down south uh, near Melbourne. I grew up about three and a half hours east of Melbourne. And this day uh, was going to top 46 degrees Celsius. It was a hot day. I hadn't seen, it was, it was kind of similar. We had similar weather in the last week. We had about two days of 42 degree heat. And so we were kind of getting used to that kind of temperature, but it was kind of a freak week of weather. And that day I decided, because I could, I was just going to go visit my mum, who lived in the town nearby, it's about 40 minutes away. So I drove down there and I took her for, for breakfast, and I think we had Eggs Benedict, it was lovely. But that's beside the point. What I did notice was that there was a little mushroom cloud of smoke in the, in the horizon. And that wasn't unusual. But I've gone, hmm, fires on a day like today, that ain't good. So we went for breakfast and we had spent some time together and by around probably two o'clock in the afternoon it was time for me to go and I looked and it was kind of like a scene out of one of those awesome like Indiana Jones movies where you've got this like massive cloud of like a sandstorm approaching and you're kind of just running ahead of it trying to keep up and then the sandstorm is just kind of approaching you and that was kind of how I felt because we had this massive cloud of ash approaching this town and you could see it coming and it was starting to block out the sky so I, I took my mum home and I said see later, be safe, drove down the highway to get back to my brother and sister. And as I'm driving, I'm driving at about 100 kilometers an hour. I don't know what that is in miles, but just bear with me on this. And the ash was keeping up with my car. And I've gone, 
Well, I've seen fires before, but this is something I've never experienced. This is unprecedented. I've never seen ash move. Like, how fast is the fire moving at the front? So anyway, I get back to my town, and the ash is approaching. And within about 10 minutes of being there, my entire town was just covered in ash. And, like, the whole sky was blocked out, and everything smelt of, like, ash and fire, which is kind of like sulfur. And we lost complete power in the entire town. Um, and I knew that it was not a normal day because I'm driving down the main street and the McDonald's sign was off and I lost power to that. And then the Red Rooster, which is an Australian version of KFC, basically, that sign was off and all the street lights were off and everything was off. And it kind of felt like Armageddon. I'm like, Jesus, I love you. Um, <laughs> but it, it was that kind of time where we've gone, it's really hot and everything smells. Then I got a call from my dad and it was kind of a bit breaking up on the phone and <laughs> kind of thing and dad's like hey Sean I'm in Melbourne which is about three and a half hours down the freeway and I can't get home because the fire has crossed the freeway now again I've seen fires before and this is a regular thing in Australia it's an occupational hazard but this was something different I've never seen a fire cross a freeway and so we're kind of like well what do we do we've got no tv we can't watch it we've got no air conditioning we've got no fan we can't open the windows in house because the fire is going to all the ash is going to come inside so we kind of went home and we had to endure something of a day that we didn't really know how the outcome was going to end up. We'd never seen fire, we've had fire approach our town quite a lot before, but this one, we were genuinely worried that it was going to hit it. And, and we were just praying together, me and my brother and sister, we had a couple of friends over, and we're going, what are we going to do to endure this day? So we thought, well, we might as well not just sit on our bums and kind of feel sorry for ourselves. So we got those, you know, when you go to a hairdresser and they've got those sprays that you spray your hair? Well, we kind of, that's kind of like a kind of stock standard thing in most Australian households. You just have it just in case of a hot day just because, you know, it's nice to refresh yourself with some water. So we filled them up and we kind of made a bit of a water fight inside the house um, to get us into the evening. And then in the over the evening, we went to sleep, but we just couldn't sleep. It was just so hot. So every hour we'd just get up and have a cold shower you know, splash your brother, jump back to bed, wake up, and then he'll have a cold shower and splash me, and then we'll go back to bed. And long story short, we woke up the next day, and we got through it. We went to church, and we found out that this day was unlike any day Australia's ever seen before. It was, what in, in hindsight, that it was the worst day of bushfires that in, in recorded Australian history. Victoria's the size of the UK in, in terms of area, and we had 400 individual fires on that one day get lit across the state, a third of them combined into one massive fire front and wiped out towns and massive areas of land. Hundreds of people died, lots more injured, houses, properties, animals, wildlife destroyed. It was a day where we as a state remember the day that we endured, and it was hard. And we still have days where family, I've got uh, my cousins, they lost their entire house and um, my auntie nearly passed and it was, it, it was a, it's a day that we remember in, uh, as a very important day for us and we call it Black Saturday. Now the reason I told you this is because I think it paints a really interesting idea of the kind of people that James was writing his letter to. James was writing his letter to um, a, a group of Jews um, who left uh, Palestine and Jerusalem, uh, and I think it's written in Acts 7 and 8, it's called the dispersion, and they left um, Jerusalem and they went out into, I think somewhere in the Mediterranean, they don't really know where, and his letter is addressing these people, and it's all to do, and he opens his letter um, to do with the idea of enduring the persecution, 
Now, they were persecuted, and they were under enormous stress, pain, suffering. And James's letter is saying, starts off and opens up saying, I want you to endure this persecution. I want you to endure this suffering. And then he goes on and he talks about the different things, and we've discussed this stuff over the last few weeks. And now he's kind of wrapping up. We're at the end of his letter, and he's building this climax to get to his final point before he closes his letter. And in order to do that, he kind of goes back to this idea of endurance. And I want to read to you just a passage here, um, and it's starting uh, from chapter 5, verse 7 through to 13. And it says, Therefore, be patient, brother and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until, sorry, until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them as blessed, those who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord. The Lord is very compassionate and merciful. But above all, brothers and sisters, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes, your no be no, lest you fall into judgment. So he's speaking to his readers and he's saying, endure, be patient. And he's mentioned this at the start, as I said, and now he's bringing this theme back right at the end of his letter. And I suppose the one thing he hasn't really discussed up until this point is how. He hasn't mentioned, he hasn't said anything about how do you endure? How do you get through this persecution? How do you be patient in the times when you're uncomfortable? But like James is such a great writer, Jason was saying last week, James is kind of one of those guys that just likes to hit you smack back in the head with his directness. And he's done this in this next passage, and he kind of does deliver the answers to that. So up until this point, um, James has been speaking to his readers about um, enduring, but he hasn't given them a practical way to do this. But now it's fitting that he's reached the end of his letter. He's given us a practical way to get through this. So from verses 13 through to 18, they're all about one subject— and that is prayer. Prayer is mentioned in every single verse, from verse 13 through to 18. So he's kind of saying that the heart of endurance is prayer. And I was looking this up because I was curious, as you do, that, but he hasn't mentioned the word prayer once in his entire letter. But it's kind of fitting that it comes in at the end because it's almost the climax of everything and it's a practical part of this being series. Let me read it to you. It's from verse 13. Is any among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that they may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man of nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Today, 
I'm just going to unpack this verse a little bit. And I'm going to look at the three practical actions about prayer. And I really pray that this will be as encouraging to you guys as what it was for me in preparing this. Because for me, this stuff I'd heard before. But when I started looking into this a bit deeper, the idea of prayer in terms of endurance, it really inspired me. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone among you cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Or as the NLV says, let him praise. So my first point today, and I've got three of them. My first point today is pray real, praise always. I'll say that again. Pray real, praise always. So a couple of weeks ago, I went to Oz. It was very exciting. It was my sister's wedding. Um, and we, it was a very short trip, but I thought, you know what, I'm going to go to her church for one of the Sundays. And um, I love charismatic churches. Charismatic churches are great. They're so engaging. And every time I go to a charismatic church, there's always this one token person that just wants to let the preacher know that he's doing a great job. He'll kind of go, you're doing good, preacher. That's it. Hallelujah. Can I get an amen? You know, that kind of thing. And I, I, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm talking about. And, and, and this is kind of the vibe I was getting at this church, and I was just loving it. And, and, and the preacher kind of gets up, and he's like, today I want to talk to you about effective prayer. And I've gone, oh, really? This is good. I might take some notes. Didn't need to. He was so engaging. I didn't need to take any notes. It kind of just sunk right in here. And, and what he did, he kind of jumps off on the floor here, and he gets up into the congregation. He's like, today, I'm going to talk to you about effective prayer. Do you want to be effective in the prayer? And that one token guy goes, yes, preacher, we do. He's like, excellent. He says, have you ever sworn? And at that point, you could drop a pin. No one said anything. He's like, I know you probably have. He said, have you ever sworn? You've done that? Well, you know how to pray effectively. He says, have you ever been angry, frustrated? Have you ever had a like row with your wife, probably on the way to church? Maybe you and your kids have been going at it, and you come in and you're in this really angry mood, and you said what you think. Well, if you've done that, you know how to pray effectively. And he says, no matter how frustrated you are, people can often pray and say what they think to one another, but that when it comes to God, we kind of go, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, which is amazing. But there's that almost that lack of how I really feel, how I'm really angry, I'm really upset, I'm going to say what I think. But often when it comes to God, we don't want to say exactly what we think. We kind of want to rehearse something or we will say something soft. And, and this guy was challenging us to be real with God. And I thought that was really, really powerful. And when I was thinking about that today, and I was thinking about what James is writing, are you suffering? Pray. I don't think he was talking about this soft prayer to God. Oh, God, bless you. You're amazing. I think he was going, God, life is not good right now. I'm suffering. This is awful. This is what I'm thinking, exclamation mark times 10. And do you know what? God can handle that. He can take that. And it's kind of interesting that the next verse he says, if you're cheerful or if you're happy, sing psalms or praise. 
Because to me, that kind of really feels like this psalm idea of David. And you look at some of the psalms of David and how real he is about his enemies and the things that's gone wrong and the things that he's saying and how angry he is at God, yet that he follows it up when he's happy, where he rejoices and he praises and sings praises to God in his psalms. And I think that that's a really beautiful picture of how we should pray when we're feeling bad and when we're not. And I think Paul, actually, he takes it one step further. He says, and I'm just going to jump back on stage because I've been on the floor a bit too much now. <laughs> just in, I am quite short, so just in case the people at the back can't see me. <laughs> I don't, I'm not blessed with Phil's height. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> that was great. <laughs> so, Phil takes, it one, Phil, Phil takes it one step further. So does Paul. Paul takes it one step further. He says, actually... When you're suffering, pray, yes. When you're in a great mood, that's awesome. You're allowed to be in a great mood. Praise God. But Paul says, actually, if you're suffering, praise as well. And not only does he say that, he shows that. And in Acts, I believe it's in Acts 20. I've got it written down here. Let me look. Acts 16, 25 to 34 is when Paul and Silas are in prison and they are suffering and they're being literally persecuted physically and they are singing praises to God under this. So Paul takes it one step further. Hence my point. Pray real, praise always. So that's my first point to you today. My second point. Have you hit rock bottom? Get some prayer. So once James kind of makes this point about the one who was suffering, he kind of moves on to the person that frankly has lost the ability to endure the suffering. He kind of come to verse 14. You've got this kind of fallen soldier, this wounded warrior, this exhausted, weary Christian. He says, is anyone among you sick? Now, I'm no Greek expert. In fact, I'm probably the furthest thing from a Greek expert that you could get. So what I did was turn to some commentaries because I was fascinated. And I love reading commentaries um, about the stuff that I'm, I'm speaking on because I find it so enriching. And, and one of these uh, commentators, what he did was he pulled out every Greek word through this entire passage. And I was just fascinated. So I started looking at the Greek. Because the Greek, there's, there's many different translations for the, for the same word in Greek. And in English, we take one and we usually apply it, and, but it has different meanings and and I like looking at some of the Greek stuff because what it does, is it kind of enriches the verse. It paints a fuller picture into what James is trying to say. And I love this. I found this so encouraging for me. So the Greek word for sick, I discovered, was, excuse my translation and my pronunciation, it will be awful, asthenio, asthenio, which can refer to sickness, and it does, but its primary meaning is to be weak, feeble, without strength, and powerless. Now, all throughout the epistles and acts, this word athenio is mainly used for describing some form of spiritual weakness. Now, it's also used in, in uh, context of sickness as well, physical. And that aside, I just think that this beautiful verse is describing something amazing for us. It says, Is anyone among you weak, powerless, feeble, or sick? Well, you want to know something? If you're feeling like that, it's pretty hard for you to pray effectively, isn't it? So what does he say? What's James say? He says, well, go find someone else to pray. 
But who do you want to find? If you're weak, powerless, or sick, you want to go to someone who is strong in faith. In fact, it's pretty awesome that he says in verse 14, let him call the elders of the church. Go to the elders of the church. Why? Because they're the spiritual strength that you need. Go to the pastors, the spiritually strong, because they will build you up. Then it says, and the prayer of those, implying the spiritually strong, offered in faith, will restore the one who is sick. And the Greek word for that one, just while I was reading through the Greek words, I was just like, this was interesting. The person who was sick, and or the primary translation of that word as well, is weary. So sick and weary. So it's saying that if you are hit rock bottom, you're weary, you're powerless, you're sick, it's really hard to pray effectively. So go to someone who is spiritually strong and let them pray with you in faith that they may restore you and you will be restored and no longer weary. And I find that a really, really, really powerful thing. So you're probably wondering why I have a couch on stage. Well, firstly, when I was a young lad, I uh, went to this Hillsong conference uh, in Sydney, and uh, this guy was preaching from a couch for the whole sermon, and I figured if he could do it, I could do it. Um, And I've always wanted to have the opportunity to do it, so I thought, why not actually make this opportunity now? Um, But also, (laughs) the, the main reason why is because I think it paints a pretty powerful example of getting comfortable. And often when we've hit rock bottom, it's uncomfortable. And often when we're sick, suffering, in pain, weary, weak, to get prayer from someone spiritually strong is quite a hard thing to do. It takes courage. But James is calling us to go, we need to get off the couch. And that was the main reason why I had the couch, just so I could do that here. That was, that was the crescendo here, guys. Get up and go to the leaders of the church and ask for prayer. And that doesn't mean necessarily we do it at an altar call at the end of the service. That might mean if this is something that's really serious, that has literally worn you out, it may mean, hey, guys, I really need to catch up with you for a cup of tea, coffee. And... Get some prayer. And interestingly, it says also anointing with oil. Now that word, when I was looking into it, that's not talking about necessarily the ceremonial oil thing. It's talking about the, the everyday use of the word. And in the, in, back in the day, the, they used the word for rubbing. They rubbed the oil in. It was like a massage. It was refreshing. When people came home, they would rub the oil in as a way of quenching the dry and weary person um, when they've come from a long desert trip to someone's house for dinner. And that, that would often be something what they do. And I think in that beautiful picture, you can see that if you're struggling, you can go to a pastor to pray and let them massage you and pray for you, not literally massage you, or maybe maybe literally massage you, I don't know, um, but build you up, lift you up so that you can no longer be weary but spiritually strong. And I just think that's an amazing, amazing promise at James Mays. So my last point, third and final, avoid a mess, get accountable. So James has really kind of covered all bases here. It's pretty awesome. He first challenges the individual. 
He says, if you're suffering, pray. If you're happy, praise. And then he kind of moves to the elders and the leaders of the church saying, you guys are responsible to pastor. And if someone is here, get alongside them, pray for them, lift them up. But then he kind of challenges the congregation and says, confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed because the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. In other words, this is to the congregation. He's saying, don't wait till you get to the bottom. Maintain a relationship with other believers. Start praying for each other. Be accountable to each other. So that means, it doesn't mean pour out every little bit of garbage that's in your life. He's basically saying, being honest with each other so you can avoid yourself getting to the point where you get to that point. And I think that that is really powerful and amazing. And I have an example here, a story in my life that I found was really, really amazing of a church getting alongside me. So when I was 13, it was my birthday. My dad, he's, a, he's an avid golfer, really, really good. I've never been good. He's like, Sean, it's your birthday, so I'm going to take you out golfing. I've gone, great. So I am um, walking along, caddying for dad as he's like playing beautifully off four just hits a few in. He's like, wasn't that a great morning? And I was like, yeah. He's like, great. What do you want for lunch? And I said, oh, chicken lasagna. He's like, great. Let's go buy the ingredients. So we bought the ingredients, went home. And I started cooking this. And I'm like, this is such a boring day. It's like the worst 13th birthday ever. And by about four o'clock, I was just like, so what's the plan, Dad? He's like, oh, you know, we're just going to, uh, can I go out with my friends? No, you know, I really want you here. Then I got a knock on the door, and the youth pastor at the time was at the door. And he's like, Sean, how are you, mate? I was like, good. He's like, do you want to go out for a drive? I thought we could catch up since your birthday and all. And I couldn't get out the door quick enough. I was like, see you, Dad, I'm off. <laughs> and we go on, jumps in the car with him, and we go drive down to this lake. And then we've got a lake that's about three and a half kilometers built in our town, and it's this beautiful little walk. It was a lovely day, as always. And I'm, we're going for a walk, and <laughs> didn't mean to take a real dig here in England, but, you know, <laughs> it generally is pretty good, except for the two weeks I went to Oz, and it rained every single day. Rachel still believes, she's like, this whole myth of sunshine. Because every time she's gone, it's rained every day. <laughs> My sister's wedding, it absolutely poured, and we're like, God, just stop the rain just so she can get out of the car, and thank goodness it didn't, but it was still poured the whole day. So anyway, that's beside the point. It was a nice day this day, and we went walking around the lake, and he was talking to me, and he was like, Sean, I want to talk to you about something that I really feel that you need in your life. I was like, oh, preach it to me, brother. He's like, courage. Over the next few years of your life, you need to have Courage. You need to stand up for what it is you believe. You need to persevere through some of the hard times at high school and have courage. And then, halfway around the lake, I happened to randomly meet another person in the church. This was the actual senior minister of the church, the, the vicar. And he said, Sean, fancy bumming into you here. I was like, yeah. He's like, do you want to go for a walk? I said, well, I can't already am, but Sure. So I, I started walking with him, and he was like, I want to talk to you about this. And then I bumped into somebody else, and he's like, hey, can I take you for a walk? I was like, sure. And he's like, I want to talk to you about this. And, and the other people just kind of disappearing. And I just, it was just one-on-ones the whole time. And as I worked through, we ended up going for this two-hour walk, and I kept meeting like all these leaders of the church. 
And they all kept talking to me about a different topic. And eventually we ended up at the church. And they're like, hey, why don't we just go in here for a bit? So I kind of walked into the church and all those guys that were there, that spoke into my life, were sitting around a table with the chicken lasagna that my dad and I made earlier on. Dad's sitting there, an empty seat representing God and a seat for me. And they said, I want you to take a seat. Sit with me. So I did. And my dad said to me, son, these men in your life, they're going to be with you for the next few years. They're going to hold you accountable. And all these things that they were talking about into my life, they said, believe it. We've got your back. We're going to be praying for you. We're going to be praying into your life. We're going to be putting you out of your comfort zone, getting you off the couch into different things. And when you're facing tough times, we're going to be there for you. We're going to pray for you. And then we did communion, ate a meal. And it was one of the most special moments in my formative years that set me up for some of the hardest periods in the next couple of years of my life when my parents um, split and a lot of really tragic things happened in my family. But it was because of those men who promised to be there for me and kept me accountable through all those years that helped me not get to the point where I hit rock bottom. It's really, really important that we as a church can keep each other accountable, can pray for each other, can build each other up. And isn't it beautiful that these three verses that James is saying, saying, pray when you're suffering. If you're just too hard, go to someone. Go to the spiritually strong. Let them pray for you, build you up. But don't get to that point, guys. Pray for each other. Build each other up. And that, is powerful. So tonight, today even, I kind of want to finish with just saying, I'm not sure where you're at in your life. I don't know all of you. But if you're suffering, if you're going through something that's a bit tough, I want you to just take this next few minutes as we sing a song and just pray. It's you and God. If you're in a really good place, you know what? That's amazing. That's awesome. Start praising God. We did a series on Psalms over summer, and, and I think uh, Simon was talking about singing your Psalms, writing your Psalm. We have an opportunity. If you're in that place, sing your song to God. Sing your Psalm. Praise Him with thanksgiving, because you know what? Praising God and praying, uh, same thing. One is asking for stuff, the other one is thanking God, and both of it's praying to God in just in a different way. Or maybe you're at this place where you've kind of hit rock bottom a bit. Well, do you know what? We would love to pray for you this morning. And it may be just the starting point. It may require that you catch up with someone, have the strength to get off that couch and say, hey, you know what, I really need some prayer around some things. Can we meet up in the week? And if that's you, we're more than happy to just pray for you today. But just let us know at the end that we would love that and we will book in some time for you. Or maybe, and lastly, you're kind of like, 
I would love to get accountable with somebody. Well, we at SBS have midweek groups where it's the life and hub of our church. It's where we can meet together. It's where we can keep each other accountable. It's where you can make friends, older, younger, everyone in between. And it's where you can get real and pray together in a close-knit family. And I really encourage you that if you're in that position and you feel like that's where you want to be, get involved in a midweek group. Speak to one of us after and we'll plug you in. There's, there's lots of them in the church in all different times so we can suit and work around your schedule. But just to finish, just to sum all this up, James does this one amazing thing and he takes a story from Elijah. And I was wondering... Of all the examples for James to use, why would he use the miracle of Elijah in the rain? It just doesn't really, like of all the miracles in the entire Bible and in the entire history of the Jewish culture, why that one? But then when I was looking at it, I was like, actually, it's quite a powerful analogy. Because you're talking about weariness, we're talking about sickness, we're talking about exhaustion, we're talking about suffering, we're talking about being patient and enduring in our persecution. And God sends the rain to quench the dry and weary land. And I find that just such a beautiful picture, direct but beautiful, of a man saying, hey, I'm exhausted. I'm suffering here. And God's promised that if we pray, a righteous man praying, there will be rain and it will wash and it will quench your dryness, and he will bring you back to life. And I just find that a beautiful, beautiful way to finish. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you now that you are a God that heals us. You are a God of restoration. No matter where we are on that spectrum of of, of situations in our life, God. We know that you bring that refreshing rain. And whether we're rejoicing with you or we're suffering on our own or we just hit rock bottom, God, we just ask you right now that you will bring that refreshing rain to come as we speak to you, as we get real in our prayer to you. So, God, we just ask that you be in this place right now, that you speak to each of us individually. In your mighty name, amen.